Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. The following program is brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio. All right, welcome back. Next episode of our podcast, Frontline. I'm Pastor Chavez. I'm Brother Jesse Pena. And uh, this is Frontline, and we're excited about this again. Um, If you haven't listened to last week's episode on... Uh, self-evaluation you want to go check that out before you jump into this one so you can kind of catch on because each one is building off of yeah the last one which is super cool we're we're really like that um because becoming a servant leader is definitely a journey um it's a journey that one experience builds off of another yeah and i know Uh, i have to go back and listen to them as well because one i want to know how they sound but two i i with that concept that we're building off that, I always want to recall in our last episodes and just make sure we're, we're handing out more tools, uh, equipping people with the right mindset to be a good servant leader. Yeah. Um, becoming a servant leader is, it's not an easy thing because you really got to put aside your own desires and develop in ministry. Um, you really got to put yourself aside. Uh, we had this, in, in the last episode, we talked about Peter and his conversation, a very candid conversation with Jesus, yeah. <laughs> and uh, where Jesus kind of, he tells him, you know, how great he is, what a great revelation in regards to um, uh, him being that he is the Christ, and upon this rock, I'll build my church, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Um and three verses later, it only took Peter three verses to believe that now he is big enough to rebuke the Lord. <laughs> right. And so he rebukes the Lord and Jesus just turns around at him and I can just see Jesus just looking, turning and looking at him. Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. Offense. You're, you offend me. You offend me. <laughs> you offend me. Um, Peter went from teacher's pet to detention right away. Right. Yeah. He, he was. <laughs> teacher's pet to detention yeah and you offend me but then jesus goes on in this conversation you know with peter and i really think he's he's talking about servant leadership and what the core i believe what the core of it is and it says then jesus said unto his disciples if any man will come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Mm -hmm. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And so he hits this thing in the core of servant leadership. That if you really want to serve in the kingdom, you're going to have to lose your life. You're going to have to, your desires are going to have to ride second seat. Your um, ambitions, you're going to have to check your ambitions at the door because working for me has to become primary to you. Um, and if you lose your life, you're going to find it. 
Yeah. So if you lose your life for my sake, if you follow my call first, make it a priority of your life, then your ambitions will come to pass. Your, your hopes and dreams will happen, but only if you answer the call in this way. Would you say that in that same breath, it's like whatever identity you gave yourself, forget that. And I'm going to give you a new identity. Like you're going to have to learn the things that I, that I think are important. And those are now important to you rather than what you have learned in the past, uh, what you, what your prior experiences, which those are good. I mean, our experiences, I don't discount any of those, but, right. but sometimes like, man, God has something completely different. Right. So I think you know? we could recount those experiences and take away not, not maybe not experiences, but what I was taught by someone else. Sure. What I was taught, whether it is where my family comes from. Yeah. Right. Where my family comes from can be a huge impact on how I view things. Now, when you come into the kingdom of God, you've got to, and many times forget that. Yeah. You've got to forget about where you come from or who your parents were, you know, because you're going to learn a different way. You're going to learn culture was what your culture was. All that's, all that's giant wrestle that forever. Like cultures, uh, so many people bring their culture into the kingdom of God and find out that it doesn't fly. It doesn't, especially when you're going for ministry. That may be one of the things that Peter realized at that moment. Mm. You know, um, my attitude's not going to fly here. I better check myself yeah. at the door because I just offended the Lord. Mm-hmm. And now he's not just speaking to me anymore. He's speaking to everybody now and saying, hey, don't make the same mistake that Peter just made. If you want to find your life, you're going to have to lose it for my sake. If you're going to find me, you need to take up your cross. And this has been before he ha- he was on the cross. He says, take up your cross. Yeah. Take up your cross and follow me. And then in verse 26, I thought this, and this is very interesting. It's said in an order for a reason. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So in short, the ambitions that you're after, be careful because you might be exchanging your soul for those. Wow, yeah. You might be exchanging your soul for that ambition. Um, when God's got a bigger purpose for you, um, and so you need to evaluate yourself. Self-evaluation was yeah. last week's lesson, but yeah. you, you gotta, you gotta self, you gotta self-evaluate. Um, and so, but this week we're going to talk about something a little bit different. And it's kind of, I think the next step of servant leadership. Again, we've been building, I think last week, Self-evaluation was good and it's very, very necessary. And you're not going to do this week if you don't get last week going. If you don't have self-evaluation going on, the topic in servant leadership that we're going to talk about t- today, um, you're not going to do it right. It's going to be done, um, in failure, I guess yeah. is short. You're going to sure. fail at it. Plain and simple, you're going to fail at, at this next step. Um, and so we're going to try to discuss this next step. And um, there is a concept we first want to talk about, and that is called determinism. Right. Determinism. What does determinism mean? It says uh, determinism is the doctrine that all events, including human action, are ultimately determined by causes external to the will. Um, also in the same breath, it says some philosophers have taken determinism to imply that individual human beings have no free will and cannot be held morally responsible for their actions. So we've, 
seen this so many times in the church, and we have a lot of scripture for this, um, that, you know, you don't have to be where you come from. You yeah. don't have to, you don't have to be where you come from. And we all understand that. We all understand when a man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. We have that understanding. Now we're talking about being a leader in the church. And if you're not careful, old philosophies will try to dictate how you will become a servant leader in the church. Yeah. And if you fail at something or you mess up, you can very quickly and very easily um, start to blame other things very quickly and very easily. You know, well, I don't do it that way because I was taught like this somewhere else or, or whatever. And um, if you're not careful, you can get into a spirit of self-determinism and it can ruin a ministry wow, yeah. fast. Self-determinism can ruin a ministry really fast um, because the kingdom of God just doesn't work that way. The kingdom of God, his thoughts, the Bible says his thoughts are above our thoughts. Right. His ways, ways are above our ways. Yeah. Our ways. Not some ways. Our, all of our <laughs> always, ways. <laughs> always. Always. So if it's always, if it's all of our ways, if his ways are above all oh, of our ways yeah. and his thoughts are above all of our thoughts, then that means we need to learn a new way of thinking. Yeah. Take on a different culture. Take on a different culture. <laughs> yeah, that, we need to take on a different culture. Um, and if you're not careful, you can really get wrapped up in determinism. Um, and another way to say determinism in the church is dealing with generational spirits yeah. or generational curses, if you will. That's that's another way we in the church say determinism um, because someone can grow or become a leader within the church and then start to face uh, old things. Yeah. You know, and I think it was our second episode we touched a little bit on out of the book, um, The Servant uh, by James C. Hunter. It was, we talked about paradigms um, and the paradigms, they're, they're a way that people perceive and view the world because of uh, maybe past experiences. And, you know, that's, I think that's the way we shouldn't let negative paradigms shift our actions, our way of thinking. Um, you know, we use an example that, and I think that was out of the book as well, where, uh, this woman, she had, um, or this young girl as a, as a young child, she was, had a bad experience with her father. Um, so in her mind, all men are evil, you know, cause her father was maybe abusive to her, verbally abusive, um, you right. know, physically abusive, whatever it is, but she thought all men are this way. And that's kind of generalizing where, um, you know, and, and that's not always the case. Um, but her father was no doubt evil, but it doesn't mean all men are evil. You know, I'm sure there's right. someone out there that, that would like to help her heal, help her get past that, that paradigm. But this is what we do. I mean, we, we experience this day in, day out, our, our paradigms. And when we allow those to, to move in and, and make home and, and fester, I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. you you said, I mean, it's ruined ministries. Um, it's ruined you know, ministries. It, it can ruin relationships. Um, it can prevent relationships if if you're someone that's like yeah that's why I don't let people get too close I've I've heard that often yeah I don't let people get too close because you know they're just gonna offend me hurt me whatever it is it's like man how do you even live like how right. do you get past that so yeah I worked um I experienced this so much in uh, one of my secular jobs when I was in the service I worked it for a place 
uh, when I was still in the military called Youth and Community Programs Task Force, where we work with a lot of uh, young people, ages 16 to 18, very broken. Um, but they were very caught up in determinism or what I would say now in the church that I call generational curses. I'm the way I am because of my environment. Yeah. I'm the way I am, my father or my uncle or whatever. My, my father was an alcoholic and I'm an out or I'm a, was a drug addict and I'm a drug addict. There's no, there's no way out. Um, on the small scale, it's where it starts. It starts when you're young and you begin to determine that there's no other better. You'll, you'll never do better. You'll never get any better. And you come into the church and you begin to fight those same spirits and sure. maybe you're successful at it for a little while and you do good at it. But then all of a sudden you get a leadership position and these paradigms or these self-determining determinism thoughts, they come in and they really start to affect how you work in the church or how you minister in the church. And as a leader or as a servant leader, you've got to be very careful with um, determinism, a spirit of determinism. Um, generational curses or generational spirits and they're very real they're very real some some may not like that concept but it is very real because when baptism and infilling of the holy ghost and repentance gets rid of my sins it doesn't always get rid of old habits um it doesn't always there are some habits that are handed down to me um from generations that don't apply or shouldn't apply in the church and i've got to learn to fight them yeah um and people can bring those habits into leadership, into serving others. Um, I mean, plain examples is uh, a parent that believes because their son or their daughter is in ministry, you know, deserves to be waited upon. That can be impressed upon a young person or a young minister who now gains this attitude of, you know, of being puffed up um, because of it. Because it's what they were taught. Yeah. And so they believed ministry was to be waited upon. And that's not at all the case when it comes to ministry. Um, and in ministry, you are waiting upon others. And in, in the midst, I don't want to say in the midst of displaying those kind of behaviors, you will really stunt your growth as a leader in the church, right? Um, you will really stunt your growth as someone trying to get, um, trying to develop in ministry, trying to develop a ministry. Yeah. Um, if you don't deal with generational curses or generational spirits, whatever you want to call them, determinism, um, things that you believe are out of my control because of external forces yeah external to the external right. to the will like whatever you had planned to do um you know I, I can think of if you come from a very proud um or prideful family um and then they teach you that nothing's ever your fault and you have this mentality uh when you mess up you're going to have that mentality you're going to bring it into whatever facet of life that you're in if you're you know if you're in the church um I've certainly encountered these people in the military uh, 
where they can do no wrong and it's everyone else's fault. But if you just, if you learn to be humble and, and again, I know we've talked a little bit in our last episode about feedback. If you listen to some of that feedback and help it shape you, uh, groom you, mold you, even though you may think I'm above that, um, listen to it. it. It may, some of it may be applicable to what you have going on in, in your certain, in, in your case, you know, if it's feedback from, we talked about mentees and mentor uh, mentors in that relationship, um, you can very much get good information from a mentee and grow um, not only as a good mentor, a good supervisor, but as a person, like you can say, Hey, you know what? Maybe, maybe if, if feedback was like, Hey, you know, um, you're not very empathetic or, or sympathetic to some of the things I have going on in my life. Maybe it's a, you're dealing right. with someone who has a family and you're not someone that has a family. So you can't relate, but you got to still listen to the, to, you know, someone who does and, and empathize with them and help them through situations that you're maybe not equipped with. We talked about this too, about being right. either a guide or a leader. You know, uh, you said, uh, if I'm recalling it correct, pastor, you can, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you said, um, you're a guide if you have to have experienced those things or have been in those places to take someone there. But right. what really separates you from being that, I mean, you can, you can, have skills to teach somebody how to do something and know that, that those things can apply to other areas in their life. You can, you can say, Hey, well, um, you, the example you use, I thought of is like, you're, you were a medic. So right. you said, Hey, a tourniquet works the same in every different in every location, country, yeah, right. every country. Right. So yeah. In the midst of the concept of, of being a guide and being a leader or that philosophy, if you want to call it a philosophy. Yes. Um, you, you need the concepts need to go beyond what you currently do as right. a leader in the church or as a servant leader, the basic concepts of things like prayer and fasting and all of that work in any situation. And yeah. I do not have needed to be in that situation in order to help someone through that. You don't need that. So, right. and that's even spiritual. If we're chasing a rabbit, that's even spiritual concepts, spiritual gifts. Um, you can learn about the, the gifts of the spirit within the word of God. You can, they can teach you how to get there. Um, and you have never experienced it yourself, but you can be taught that by, by simply consecrating and reading the word of God on how to get into the spirit. Um, or by someone, or you can, I'm saying you can teach someone else to be there without having, I haven't, I haven't experienced every gift of the spirit. I've seen many of them. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been used in several of them. But my myself have not been used in every single one of them. So I can say, but I can say that we can teach and bring the church to an environment where other people can be used in that. Right. In one of the ones that I've never been used in. Wow. And ha you have faith in it. And I have, I have absolutely faith in it. Yeah. And so to be a, a leader or a servant leader in the church, you know, the, the, that concept is very powerful that the leadership concepts you have or display as your servant leader um, you need to be able to take people beyond your borders and theirs in order to be a true leader. Otherwise, you're just a guide if you're only going where, you know, where you have gone. And so this, you know, bringing it back into home is when you're, when you're in the church, you're developing to be a leader and you're dealing with, you've got to deal with your own de attitudes of determinism. Yes. Right. Yeah. Your own attitude of, of, well, I can't do this because 
of whatever background, or I'm not good at this, or I'm not good at that, or my family's never been good at this, or I don't, I don't, and, and it's very, it is very serious. I don't have a support system at home. It's very serious. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, we're not downplaying that, but don't let that be the excuse that keeps you from becoming what God wants you to become. You can get past that. Absolutely. You I've can. Se- I've seen it in the church. You, you've seen, um, you know, children that come because we pick them up on, on the bus over the years. They're listening to the Sunday school teacher. And then all of a sudden there, I mean, they stayed crying at the altar, wanting mom and dad to come to church and boom. Yep. I mean, God, God's so good. But then their family comes, they win their whole family. Yep. And if they would have, if they would have, you know, they don't have support at home, right. they, they'd be correct in that. I do not have the spiritual support at home, but man, you have a God that's with you in your bedroom while you're crying, wanting mom and dad to go to church, you know, wanting, you know, brother, sister to come to church, Sunday school with you, you know, and I've, and I've seen it and and God is, is good like that. Absolutely. I mean, and the, the point being is that you can, you can defeat attitudes of determinism that, right. That the outcome of my situation is determined by outside factors. I didn't create this problem, so I can't get over it. It's, it's everything's fighting against me. Um, and I'm not capable of beating this. So it's just going to turn out bad. No, you, you can beat it. You can absolutely beat it and you should, and you need to determine yourself to beat it. Um, or people that have paradigms that they're too bad to come to church. They're too, you know, they're not worthy to come into church. I don't know. I, I've seen people struggle with that, that they just feel like, man, like I see people all put together and, and they're doing good. And I come in here with my sin and, and, you know, but that's, that's a, that's a paradigm that they have that, that people aren't accepting in the church of the type of person they are, the sin that they have in their life. And that's, that's not the case. Like, right. You know, that even when I started going to church, people were very, they wanted me to come to church. If there is one thing that people wanted for me was for me to be in church. That's right. So (laughs) if we look at this from a servant leader perspective, and you see someone that comes into the church that's standoffish, some things to keep in mind with yourself is number one, what could have been the experience of the last church they walked into? Yeah. And it doesn't have to have been an apostolic church. It could have been, to another denominal church in your town and your city. But what was their experience when they walked in? And now they're, for some reason, they're walking into our church and is a servant leader going to walk up there and make them feel comfortable, make them feel like this yeah. is a place where they belong? Are they going to put their own problems aside and their own issues aside to go over there and serve that person? Um, and believe it or not, it takes getting past yourself to serve others that way, Absolutely. to greet others. It takes getting off getting out of your own box, if so to speak, in order to serve someone else, especially when it comes to visitors or new converts within the church. Um, you really got to push yourself aside um, to beat uh, self-determinism or generational curses. I want to bring this up too, because we want to say, hey, every episode grows off. In our last episode, we talked about taking criticism. What if you were that... That's leader that just got criticized that, hey, when visitors come in the church, you don't go greet them, right? You have one or two ways to handle that. You can be the best church greeter from there on out, 
Or you can be like, oh, well, my pastor says I don't do that well, and I'm just, you're hurt by it, your your pride gets in the way, because we talked about it. I mean, this could be generational curses people are dealing with, that they're just like, their dad taught them, if people, or mom, whoever, right, taught them that, man, when, if people, you know, say this about you, just stop doing that for them then, right? They don't appreciate you, they don't respect you, whatever it is. But if you're someone who takes that criticism the right way and says, hey, I'm going to get outside of I just got rebuked by my pastor or whatever it was, but I'm going to get outside of that and I'm going to go, be- I'm going to go greet that person. That is a true, that's true servant leadership. Absolutely. That's, that's you winning, hopefully being a smiling face that this person comes in there. They were hurt from their last church and you already know they're looking for something because boom, there they are. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. That's I good. wonder what would happen that if, if a visitor, let's just say the pastor taught a lesson on, you know, we need to be the friendliest church in town and, yeah. and are the leaders within our church. And saints within our church, when a visitor walks in, you know, that I, I noticed that no one's greeting them and, and we need to greet our visitors and we need to love on them and then we need to do this. And if you're a leader, you have to, you need to invite them out to eat or something. And you, 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 you like you said, you take this one of two ways. Number one, you can, well, my pastor doesn't think I'm good at this, so I'm not good at this. Right. Or number two, every one of those leaders that heard that message line up to take that visitor out to eat. And for the next nine weeks, that visitor's hanging out with leadership within the church, being loved on and being discipled and their families being taken out to eat. I'm saying if I'm a visitor, this is a great church to attend. Absolutely. This is a great church to attend, but it's up to the leaders in that church to take it that way, to make that happen um, and to get in line to win those people. Um, But you have to, you have to beat, uh, determinism oh, someone else someone else got to them first right yeah wait in line go, go. yeah go wait in <laughs> that's, line there's one thing i've Why heard not? this said before there's one thing that a visitor should be tired of when they come into church into a church an apostolic church is shaking people's hands yeah, right absolutely like they should we should wear them out by shaking their hands but, yeah we're glad you're here <laughs> yeah. man you know, everybody's happy i'm here absolutely. absolutely everybody yes sir but you know i i and if i can say this from my 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 point of view or where i sit in the church um you know, my pastor might be busy. You know, there's often times after a church, um, I'll see people need counseling or anything like that. So why not? Why not the people in the church be the ones to, to greet, you know, greet a visitor? And, and, you know, your pastor might be caught up in, you know, helping another fellow saint in your church deal with something, um, encouraging them, whatever. Don't let your pastor be the one that has to go and greet those visitors first. We should be able to do at, at very least, Hey, welcome to, you know, the church that you're at, right? Welcome to this church. Like, hey, we're glad to have you. Um, you know, did you enjoy the message? Whatever the situation is, but just, you know, chat them up a little bit, get them comfortable in the church right. that they're in. So. Absolutely. Um, you know, a good way, and because again, we're, we're talking about the determinism, generational curses or generational spirits. Yeah. They can be tough to beat. Right. The attitudes of self, self-defeating thoughts or determinism. These things can be tough to beat, and the only way you're going to beat it, yes, people can be delivered, and we always we want that to happen. Um, but more often, not especially with generational curses, we don't see instantaneous instantaneous deliverance. Right. But instead, we see a process of time for of changing behavior. Well, the only way the changing of that behavior happens is consistency. Yeah, consistency. You consistently need to attack um, that behavior every day. 
or that attitude every day, um, whether it's there's someone else to blame or there's something else to blame, you have to attack that and take responsibility for it. Take responsibility for, no, no, I, I need to make this happen. Yeah, I need to, you know, if it's teaching a Bible study and you want to say, well, my family is full of shy people. Well, the only way you're going to teach a Bible study and get rid of the shyness is to get out there and yeah. try to do it. It's yeah. the only way. And, and if it doesn't work the first time, well, great. There's still a lot more people out there we can try again. Yeah. And if I could give some advice, because I know I was one of those, um, I felt very, um, say, unequipped. I, I didn't feel like I was ready to teach a Bible study. But I know from personal experience, what I did is like, hey, I'm going to just you know, I have a brother-in-law. They they're, they go to they're in church, um, but I, I I started with them, and we were at the time we were stationed in New Mexico, and they're in California. So mm-hmm. what I would do is just Facetime, and I'm like, all right, and we just made it happen. And so like all my all my nervousness, I guess I used up on them. Um, you know, yeah, sure. they're family, sure, but what I was nervous is about is like, can I can I be knowledgeable in the things that I'm teaching? Right? Can I? Uh, can I drive home a point? What, whatever it is, you know, the, the Bible study. And if you've taught a Bible study for, you know, it's, it's, it's not e- as easy as just opening up and reading your Bible. I mean, you know, there's so much more you want to prepare and, and questions that may came, come up and, and you got to answer those and, uh, you want to use um, scripture. And that's, I guess, what I was most nervous about. But I got that out on, on my family. So I started, you know, somewhere where, where we're all just kind of comfortable with doing that because it was family and they were more, um, you know, understanding when I would mess something up and they were very patient. But now, like, you know, I, I've gotten a lot more, uh, proficient at doing it. Sure. And I don't do it with, I mean, I'm, I'd love to still do it with my family, but like, it doesn't have to be just my family. I'm comfortable enough. I can branch out and I could do it with the new convert. I could do it with uh, the seasoned saint. I could do it with whoever, whoever I would so want a Bible study. I can do it and I feel comfortable doing right. it now. And, and that's the only way to beat it. Right. Get out there and yeah, do it. Absolutely. And we're not talking about, there's different types of generational curses. We're not talking about, you know, sin type generational curses like alcoholism or things like that. Because spirits of alcoholism can can be passed down. And they can be, and those things need to be defeated. But we're talking about things in the church, other types of generational curses or, or curses or determinism, attitudes of determinism that happen within leadership and how do I deal with it? How do I overcome it? Um, and the only way to do it is to just hit it on directly. If you're struggling to teach a Bible study, the only way I know to tell you to get better is to get out there and teach more. Yeah, it, yeah. It's great men of God. Elders, just elders in the church have written phenomenal Bible studies that all you have to literally do is open them up and read them. And after reading them to people for so many times, you're going to be better at teaching them. Eventually yeah. you're going to get really good and you're, and, and you're going to find the ones that are going to listen to you and want more from you. The only way to beat it is to get out there and absolutely challenge yourself and do it and don't give up. And so when you're dealing with teaching a Bible study or you're dealing with uh, working in the church or I don't care what it is, being the youth leader, we talk about youth leaders a lot. Yeah, we pick on, we're, we're, we're not <laughs> directing this at any youth leader, including our own. <laughs> right. We're, we're not. We're not picking on the you, youth leaders. But you all are easy, easy targets. So you're easy targets. Um, 
We youth love leaders our youth get leaders. a lot. We love our youth leaders. <laughs> we love our youth leaders. Yeah, our youth leaders. Great, wonderful <laughs> yeah. brother Hector. We love you. Hector, love you. Um, you do a great, phenomenal job. I'm proud of you. Um, but you, youth leaders are easy targets. So, and they can take it. Um, but <laughs> if you're leading in the youth department, challenge yourself. Don't accept that. Well, I'm just not good at this. Or no, challenge yourself. Um, Make yourself better. Make everything you do better. You're able to do it. And don't be afraid to get out there and challenge your own paradigms or thoughts of no one's going to like this. No, no, they, they're going to. If your heart's Absolutely, in it, yeah. they're going to. You just need to challenge yourself and make things different. Um, if you got, and if there's something else, um, just again, challenge it. You can't get better at it unless you get out there and do it. Um, I think one of the ultimate um, places of determinism, if we want to say that, yeah. where where it seemed like an outside force tried or wanted to have full control over human will or the will of God's people. Um, one of the greatest stories I've ever read and heard about this is the story of Esther. In the story of Esther, you, I don't think you can find a more powerful place where outside forces tried to determine what the outcome was going to be. When you look at the most powerful nation or people or army or ruler in the world coming down upon the people of God, and in particular Esther and Mordecai, um, you will find people that stood against all odds. Yeah. All odds. Everything for them to give in to their environment was in place. Outnumbered, <laughs> outmanned, outgunned, outpowered by every means. By every means. I don't know. I don't think we read of like a great blunt miracle, like parting of the Red Sea for Esther and Mordecai. We do have miracles that happen. Like, you know, it wasn't a coincidence that Mordecai got escorted on a horse by Haman. Yeah. You know, saying this is what the king does (laughs) for the man in whom. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that's not a miracle, but what I'm saying, it wasn't like this great army was getting ready to come after them. And all of a sudden, you know, that army split in half around the people of Israel. Yeah. You didn't find those kind of there things. There wasn't angels happened. like waiting above. To, yeah. To, there to, wasn't, you know, God <laughs> open up the it's eyes a, of Esther so yeah. she can see. It's actually a very real situation, a very real scenario where you may think God's not in it. Right. But he's fully in it. You know, it took people that had faith. You know, and, it, and it, what it was is, is fully. I am not going to let outside forces yeah. determine my the, will. Yeah, true. I am not going to let outside forces determine what I do and don't do. And you find tremendous blessings of obedience in mm-hmm. Esther to Mordecai, and how he said, "Don't tell them who you are," and she didn't. Right. And imagine at any point in time she could have or may have wanted to say it, but she didn't out of obedience right. and did exactly when he asked her to go into the king's court 
And she said, okay, give me three days. Let's pray and fast. She did it. Yeah. And instead of uh, uh, preserving her own life, she gave it and put it at risk. She fought against all odds that the outside force is in control. Um, Haman. Haman. Yeah. Right. All of these things that were just coming down upon them. And all they did was stand and say, no, we're not giving into this. And even to think that in a way there was a general, a generational curse that tried to come and knock on their door. And that is the fact that who Haman was, right? Who was Haman? Haman in the word of God, it announces that he is an Agagite, which he is a son of, he is a descendant of King Agag. Yeah. The same King Agag that Saul let live. Yeah. And so there is this generation. Yeah, he was supposed to utterly destroy him. And so now there is this guy that's the descendants of this guy who's coming back to haunt us. And no, I won't bow to him. I won't bow to them. I won't, I won't do what's wrong. I will do what's right. The outside force will not overtake me. And so, I mean, I don't think you can get a more clear story that it's within every single one of us as a people, as a person, as a human being to overcome these things. Yeah. Let me tell you, there are many people in the world without God who have gotten out of drugs. There are people who have broken addiction free. There are people who have, you know, through without ever being in the church, but through secular counseling have fixed their marriages. And so the reason why I'm saying that is because it's within us ourselves to, to overcome self-defeating thoughts, self-defeating attitudes. Now imagine couple your ability with God's ability in the church, put God's ability with yours Man, you could really overcome this. Talking about the same God that his ways are above our ways. Our ways. <laughs> his ways are above our ways. ways his yeah. thoughts above our thoughts. Yeah. That same God. So this becomes, you know, uh, an unfair fight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. And we like it that way. <laughs> and we like it that way. We I, like it that way. it that way. So you can defeat this. You can overcome this. And if you're trying to become a leader in the church, you're going to have to get over self-defeating thoughts. Yeah. Sometimes self-defeating thoughts means, um, or, or determinism. Sometimes getting over or away from determinism or generational curses means I need to look to someone else to show me how to do it and tell me how to do it. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, because it, it, because sometimes I just don't know what to do, but somebody else shows me how to do it and I do that and it works out and builds my confidence and helps me to be a little bit wiser and smarter in the department. If I'm leading the youth, <laughs> if yeah. I'm, if I'm leading the youth, yeah. um, these gentle pushes, you yeah, know, the little <laughs> gentle pushes, nothing wrong with trying to find someone who does it better than you. Yeah. Um, I mentioned it before, but these, the men that, um, you know, in our church, uh, you know, there was a time where we, we would kind of huddle around and we get a game plan of how the service was going to go. Um, who's doing, you know, word shot, who's doing right. the offering, who's doing the opening service prayer. And there was an, I would say there was like an excitement, um, right in the men, like, Hey, like we're, 
like we're being used, you know, we're, we're being used in this way that, um, we're, we're helping the, you know, we're helping the, the service flow and, and, you know, and we're being used for word shot. And I know when, <laughs> when it would come to word shot, like some of these men would be like, all right, who's got word shot, you know, brother so-and-so and you're, and we're hyping them up. Like, cause we know right. that they have a word, they, they're passionate about it. They love God and they're going to get up there and they're going to share to the best of their ability, what God put on their heart. And it's just awesome to have men that have that, that excitement. Um, but that that's the gentle push you know right. that's something that um here in this church at least pastor that you you've inspired in these men like yeah. i trust and i trust that you can do this and you can do well at it and and so far it's 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 been um it's it's working it's working yeah. it's working yeah it's yeah. working and people are growing cream Absolutely. is rising to the top so to speak you know right. uh, a talented people is working out um, but i do believe it's also biblical that it works this way and if you're going to serve others if you're going to be a servant leader in the church um, you're going to have to learn how to put your own inefficiencies aside and challenge yourself. Yeah. And you're going to, you're going to have to step out of the box. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Step out of the box. Oh, and it's tough. Some, it, it's rough sometimes it's, up there when you're up there by yourself it, and <laughs> it's rough. It's rough stepping out of your box in your comfort yeah. zone to do something that you feel like is against your grain. Yeah. Um, it, it, it can be really hard. It can be really challenging. And, but you've got to do it. You've got to do it. I mean, if think, you're of, grow. think of Moses. I think you, we, we just, I think you preached on this about a week ago when you're talking about Moses, how, you know, he felt he was, I'm slow of speech, you know, I'm slow I'm of not, speech. I'm not the one that you want to go talk to, to the Pharaoh. And yeah. it's interesting that he's it, the only one that said that about himself. Yeah. We all say about it him today. I wonder how he'd feel like if we're talking about oh, that yeah. because um, in the New Testament, it says he was well educated and, yeah. you know, he had, he had a lot going for him in the New Testament. Um, I think it's, but, it's interesting that he was taught in both schools, if you right. will. Not only did he know, you know, the Hebrew tradition, Hebrew laws, everything right, like but, that, but he knew their the Egypt, side. Right? He knew all he the did. Egyptian stuff too. So he was probably smarter than the average Hebrew, Absolutely. I would say. <laughs> he was smarter than the average yeah. Egyptian as well because, oh, yep. the, you know, so it's, it's interesting that he thought that about himself. Yeah. And, but, but overcoming his own, um, determinism was a big deal yeah. for him. And, and countless and outside factors, right? To his, countless outside. To the, <laughs> right. Yeah. Perfect so example, you can, actually. you can do this. You can overcome things. You just have to trust God and you have to push yourself. Um, and here's a, here's a challenging thing and we're going to close. We're going to wrap this episode up right now. This is not a lot longer than some of the other ones, but we're still going to wrap this up. Um, uh, at some point in your ministry, you need to grow to a place where your ministry doesn't develop because others have pushed you. You've learned to push yourself. You've learned to identify yeah, this is a self-defeating thought or this is a generational curse. I, I've got to get over this. Let a generational curse sound like a generational curse. No one likes to be cursed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so I don't like this. I need to beat it. Mm -hmm. I need to beat it. Don't be friendly with it. So learn to identify it and push yourself past it. Don't always count on um, pastor to have to push you past this or someone else. To, if you're going to be in the leader, a leader in the church, you're going to have to learn how to encourage yourself the way David did. Um, that, you know, he, he encouraged himself in the Lord, picks himself up by the bootstraps and says, God, help me with this. What do we do? Should I pursue? And the Lord says, pursue. And Bible says that David recovered all. And so you, you know, sometimes you're going to have to get to a place where you learn to pick yourself up. 
um, and uh, deal with your own emotions. Don't always let, you shouldn't always let negative things show everywhere you go. Um, challenge generational curses in your life. Um, and if you can't do it by yourself, well, you know, you and your pastor, you guys can do a lot together. Absolutely. So get together with your pastor and you'll find out that he can help you overcome a whole lot if you'll let him. Teach if, you how to fight your own battles yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Teach you, um, equip you with the skills, uh, you know, whatever it is, the mentality, the, the way of thinking, because we do, we do come, um, you know, some of us come to church with this general generational curse and it's, it's, it'll, man, it'll really run you in the ground if you don't really listen to not only, I mean, you got to read your word, you got to have a prayer life. Right. But you, but most of all, I mean, you, those things will teach you how to be, um, obedient, um, how to be submissive to the man of God in your life and, and, uh, listen, listen when they're, when they're talking, whether it's coming through the preaching, whether it's coming through counseling, whether it's, uh, again, I, I, cause they've been important in my life, elders in the church. If there are some good godly elder, elders that are in your church and they give you some, I mean, they're only wanting the best of the conference we just came from. Um, you know, there was a, there was a preacher that, that had all the, the ministry that was 55 years and older. Right. He had yeah. them go up to the altar and he said, now turn around and look at the congregation. And it's just a bunch a of, powerful it moment. was so powerful. Yeah. And, and in that moment, I see, I, I think, Whatever they can equip me with, I need to get it now in my life. Like I need to, if they have wisdom or anything they need to pat, we need to stop looking at, and that's, this was actually said there. There needs to stop being this generational gap, right? Right. That, yes. Of, yep. of knowledge that's not pa- yep. passed down. Like you, you want, and if you're not seeking it, kind of shame on you. Right. Like, and if you're not listening to it, double shame on you. If you have a man in your life, a man of God, a preacher that's in your life and he's trying to, trying to equip you with these things and make you better and you're just, you're not getting it. Um, you know, you're letting your generational curse, your yeah. determinism get in the way. Absolutely. Stop. Paradigms get, are killing you. Yes. Yep. Get out of your own way. Get out of your own way. Listen to the man of God. Listen to God. Listen through prayer, through reading your Bible, and and get fight your own battle. Get it right. done. Get get you know get right with God. Get right with your with your pastor. Listen to them and, and be obedient. It's gonna help you. It's gonna restore your family. It's gonna it's gonna make you a soul winner. And that's that's I think that's, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. In closing, there is this. Uh, we we've talked a lot about this book, The Servant, by James C. Hunter. And at one point in the book, he makes this comment. He says, it's of no profit to have learned well if you do not do well. Mm. It It is no good to go around and say, oh, yeah, I know, I know, I know, if you are not doing. Yeah. At some point, you need to stop saying I know and you need to start doing. Yeah, um, You need to start doing. And that means if you're doing, then you don't have to use the term I know. Right. My wife had this pastor that would often often tell her if you when people say I know he says well if you knew better you'd do better right it's that simple <laughs> it is that simple what a simple complicated yeah. concept mm-hmm. it's a simply complicated like concept <laughs> if if you knew better then why are we even having this conversation right you know if you know better then you just need to do better yeah and so when you're dealing with determinism and you're dealing with generational curses um, identify them and if you know well then do better. Yeah. Learn better, do better. Don't, Amen. don't yes. always have to, uh, you don't have to give into them. 
you can defeat them. You can, you can beat them. God is good and he, he can help us. And we desire better churches. We desire the spread of the gospel. We want things to go further than they've ever been as far as the kingdom of God. There is no better time to have revival than now. Amen. Yes. There is no better time in the world to have revival than right now. So right now, have revival. Grow as a servant leader. Challenge yourself. Seek your pastor. Seek a prayer life. Help your pastor. Help your pastor. Help your leaders. Help him. Pastor needs help. Yeah. <laughs> I need all the help I Amen. can get. Yes. Amen. God bless you. Love and appreciate y'all. Amen. Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. The preceding program was brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio.